Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening to this Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank Footman James for sponsoring Last Blast. As you know, at The Intercooler, we only partner with like-minded organisations, with companies that we think really understand what it means to be a car enthusiast. Footman James fit into that perfectly. I know this because when talking to them before making this recording, they said to me, please don't talk about car insurance, which I think says a lot. So instead... I'm just going to give you a couple of reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. Coffee and chrome, for one thing. That's Footman James' regular car meet. It's free to attend once you're registered. It's where hundreds, if not a thousand, car enthusiasts get together with their classics to enjoy and share their passion for cars. Footman James also publishes its indicator report. It's a thorough analysis and a detailed report into the state of classic car ownership in this country. The point is to promote and safeguard the future of classic cars in the UK. So there you go, two good reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. So thank you, Footman James. Go and visit footmanjames.co.uk. You're listening to The Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. Hi everyone, Dan Prosser here with a 15-minute extract from our most recent Last Blast podcast. Uh, In this episode, Andrew Frankel talks to Dr. Jonathan Palmer, that's the former Formula One driver um, and sports car driver, uh, and now, of course, running many of the best circuits in the UK, so he's a very interesting uh, interviewee. The full thing is more than an hour long, and it's available now on the Intercool app and website. You will need to be a TI subscriber to listen to it in full. Um, But So if you're not already signed up, maybe now is the time to head over to the-intercooler.com and subscribe. You can listen to all of the Last Blast podcasts we've uploaded so far. Um, For now, I just wanted to share a 15-minute or so extract from the podcast with all of you. Um, 
I, before we get stuck in, I just wanted to tell you my little uh, Dr. Jonathan Palmer anecdote. Now, he really was a doctor. He was a qualified doctor and he only quit uh, medicine to pursue racing. Um, and he was a doctor in a hospital in Brighton. Um, and when he decided to leave the practice, the, the medical profession, he told a nurse that he was going to do that. And this nurse said, don't be silly, Jonathan. There's no money in that. And I know this because that nurse was my grandmother, um, who <laughs> perhaps didn't spot the potential that Jonathan Palmer had uh, as a racing driver. But then why, why would she? Uh, so anyway, enough from me. Enjoy this 15-minute extract of our Last Blast podcast with Jonathan Palmer. You know, racing a 956 at the Mall compared to racing any Formula 1 car anywhere. Um, did you prefer one to the other? Did you feel particularly suited or was it all just racing to you? And I think it was, it, it was uh, really down to the, back to this point about the results. Yeah. In that in Formula 1 racing... I was in mediocre cars, and, yes. and you had to get your pleasure from a. You know, if I got my my highlights were two fifth places really at Monaco, yes, in eighty seven and eighty eight, where having not that much power was less of a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, my best result was fourth at Adelaide against Street Circus, and the lack of power wasn't such a disadvantage. Whereas in the Porsche in Group C, um, we were front front running. Yeah. You know, we were we were. We were up, it was, they were beautiful cars. They were challenging cars. The 956, as it was originally, and then the Porsche became the 962 when basically Porsche just angled the front wishbones forward to, so the front axle line was ahead of the pedals. Yeah. Didn't really make any difference to what was going to happen to your legs in an accident. But it kept the, it kept, 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 you know, it was a compliant with the regulations. Yeah. Um, but the, nine five, the 956 was better balanced than the 9562. Um, but it was a very physical car. Here yeah. you had a car. But it was, a, it was you know, I remember when Richard, who I was driving sports cars for with, a little bit with the 924, which was, wasn't great. Um, but when, when he said to, um, when he said to Jan Lammers and, and I, look, I've bought a, I bought a 956. We're, bar, we're going Group C racing next year. This is at the end of 83. I thought, wow, what? It was, it was as if he, as if he just, it was, it was this, as if a new Formula One team had bought a couple of Mercedes Formula One cars, you yeah. know. You know. Um, we went down to Sindelfingen to pick up the car. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Richard Lloyd, Mick DeHaas from Canon, Jan and me. And I um, Mick. Yeah. we went down, and I remember looking at the car in awe. I mean, they were beautiful Fair cars. Nice. And then sitting in it, you know, and here you've got a kind of, this is a race car, but it was. It's like a road car. You've got an adjustable seat. You've got a nice foam seat. You've got an ignition key you put oh, in and yeah. turned it. Synchromesh gearbox. It's fine. The synchromesh gearbox. Yeah. You fired it up like a, like a, like a road car. Um, but, you know, at that time it had a 2.6 litre flat, yeah. uh, flat six engine, um, revving to eight and a half. Uh, they weren't that heavy when they started off at 850 kilos again. Um, so they were pretty light cars, actually. Of course, they weren't very safe. Um, it was aluminium. It wasn't even honeycomb. It was aluminium. You had an enormous. Cheap. You had two accidents. I had a number of big accidents with the things. A spa was a spa in '85. Was was the bigger one that I've still got the legacy of a very arthritic foot and right right left foot and right knee from massive shunt there. But to drive the 956, they were very physical. You know, you had no power steering. Yeah. You had quite a lot of downforce, 
the brakes were steel brakes, yeah. no power assistance on that. Yeah. You know, everything was heavy on the cars. Um, and the gearbox too was quite heavy, a synchromesh, big synchromesh gearbox. Yeah. You couldn't rush it too much, but yeah. also you changed fairly quickly. Um, and to cap it all, so whilst it was very physical, it was also hot because you've got an enclosed car. No air conditioning. Know, you never got like a single-seater when you're driving because the airflow all around yeah. just keeps you cool. But no air conditioning. <clears throat> you're just trying to put bigger bits of donkey dick in it to yeah. try and cool yourself down. So they were very physical. And um, I remember actually racing at, in 1983, I think the end of 82 he got it, in 83 at Nürburgring, the old circuit with the 956. Sharing the last ever 1,000K race. last ever 1,000K racing. Yeah. Sharing it with Keki Rosberg and Jan Lammers. We, we finished third great result but i remember going up the long hill all the way up towards the first carousel where yeah. it just meanders up yes. Yes. bumps and the bumps the thing was being thrown around yeah. you know really i can remember derek the, talking about that the ground exactly effect the cars thing. had outgrown that circuit yeah. exactly and i remember the only way to drive it you had to have the seat so close to the steering wheel that i used to put my hands up behind the back of the spokes and to cling on to the spokes and almost pull the wheel, put my chest on the wheel and steer with my oh. chest to try and stop it. You couldn't just hold it like a normal steering wheel. You'd get the steering wheel flung out and you sort of pulled the steering wheel into your body and just sort of guided it up like that. And, um, but they were, you know, that was a fantastic car and we had great results with it. And um, finishing second at Le Mans in 85 was an yeah. absolute highlight, having led it for half the race. I think I drove for 14 hours that, that, of that, uh, that race. Blimey. Um, and and you won, my, I, mean, I do think it's one of my best drives, actually, because... Um, Sharing it with James Weaver James, and, yeah, and with Richard. James Weaver and Richard Lloyd. Richard yeah. did a few token runs, but not yeah. very much. And obviously, Le Patron did the final across the line, which was cool. great. And yeah, great fair enough, his car. Um, James wasn't so keen on driving it at night, so I mean, I ended up doing the majority more of the run. And that was, so essentially, it was two drivers, of which I did, I think I did 14 hours. Keith Green was team manager, he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and great fun too. Um, and, and just being right at the front of a race like Le Mans was, was great. And the other one that stands out as a real highlight was Brand Snatch 1000k race. Which you won. Which we won in 84 yeah. with Jan Lammers. And that was a time when, you know, again, my technical sort of bent was all right, going to Brand's Hatch. Um, very, no real straights at Brand's Grand Prix circuit. Yeah. You know, lots of sweeping corners. Um, the big rear wing on a 956 means you could get loads of rear downforce, but of course the lim- limiting factor, you had to get to keep the car balanced or it was pointless, um, uh, was getting a n- enough front grip. Yeah. So I had the idea of putting an extra front wing on top of the nose of the, um, of the 956, a supplementary single-seater style front wing. And the good thing with Richard Lloyd and the team is that they were up for having a go in Keith Green. Porsche factory looked down at it and said, God, you know, what are you doing, man? You know, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're compromising our, you know, our wonderfully you know, designed car. And I said, well, this is what we're doing. So the first, first provided practice, I went out and did a couple of laps and said, yeah, that's good. Let's go. I said to Keith, look, take it off. Right, let's put the front wing on. And sure enough, it was oversteery. So I said, right, let's put some more rear wing on, balanced. Right, let's put some more angle of the front wing on. And I go and keep cranking up the front yeah. wing. Um, at least I'd be out once past the pits in like this um, until the thing, we got the thing flying because we're just carrying more downforce because we could balance it put it on pole by nearly a second and we won the race at a canter um, despite losing fifth gear I think the last hour or something um, so that was a it was a, it was a great a very satisfying example of 
of frankly me having an idea of the, of the team doing the great job preparing the car, yeah. but in terms of the performance margin of me having the idea yeah. of the front wing, me recognising it's going to be important, the team uh, accepting having the confidence to try it out yeah. uh, and, 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 and the creativity to try it out, and then we made the best use of it in the race and got the result out of it. And um, that, that sort of approach is probably what is pro- probably typifies what you know, the strengths that I had as a, as, a, as a driver on it. Was that also the year you had, you didn't start Le Mans because you had an accident in practice? Uh, yes, that was, well, that was a lot later, actually. That was 90. So, so that's, yeah, one of the, another one, apart from McLaren, the Porsche 956 goes down as the fifth of, of, of you know, one of my six cars. Ah, okay, fine. I should just, fine. sorry, I've sort of... Oh, no, that's fine. So no, that, that counts, that's what so that's that fine. Counts. So okay. that counts. It was the most magnificent car. Um, it looked lovely. Yeah. And also, I do think... It's prettier than 962, You, you can't have it? a... Prettier than 962, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't have a... You can't really have a top car without looking good. Yeah. I think even road cars now. Yeah. I don't think there's been a... There hasn't really been a successful road car that's, that's, that's not looked good. No, I think you're probably right. And wait, and uh, so... It looked good. It was super exciting. Uh, the, the, the amazement and the thrill, I say, of, of being able to drive this car was immense. The results we got with it, um, the, the enjoyment with the team, I have to say, Richard Lloyd, John Britton, and, uh, and Keith Green. So all of that is why that car is. And, and the other thing is, a 956 and will always be, I mean, I should have bloody well bought one at the time, but um, we never do, do we? Um, because you know, it'll, it'll be an absolute legendary car. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the distinctive sound. You know, I can always one of those noises you can you can recognise. I could hear half a second. Yeah. Of a nine five six. Yeah, it's a nine five six. Nine five six. Yeah. You know, that sort of. Um, so anyway, that's car oh, number five. Lovely. Um, I do just want to mention that Lamar, because I just remember you telling me a story about it once. Um, because didn't the car get airborne? Yes, it did. This was in uh, 90, er, 90 or 91, 91, I think, um, that uh, is in practice. It was during the Yoast Porsche 956, and they evolved considerably 962 by then. But they had problems with rear, rear suspensions breaking. And, um, and I was just pulling, um, this is pre-chicanes, or was it post-chicanes? Now, I, I'm just pulling uh, fifth gear. It's been about 180 miles an hour. I mean, we'd be doing sort of the gear for about 230. I mean, 231 was the most I ever saw of a 956 yeah. at Lamar. Uh, yeah. um, and I just pulled, just pulled fifth gear, about 180. And, uh, and the car going down the Mulsan suddenly swerved left. I mean, clearly something had broken. And, uh, and the car, you know, I was going to have a monster accident. And the car smashed in the barrier, and you, you sort of cower down. And, do you uh, instinctively? Do you know because you're going to have? Do you get your hands off the steering wheel and your feet up, and or is there not time to think? Take about your that? thumbs out. I take yeah. my thumbs out of the steering wheel. Yeah, but just hold it. That was always my thing because you wanted to try and you know, get some stability of your body, but not keep your thumbs in to get them yeah. whipped round. So I do that, <clears throat> and the car. I knew it was going to be a monster shunt, and sure enough, it was bang, crash, tumble, tumble, you know, all the rest of it, <clears throat> and. Um, it was after a surprisingly short amount of banging and crashing, the, it all stopped and went still and quiet. And I thought, geez, well, that's, I thought, you know, I've just had a 180 mile an hour accident and it wasn't as bad. I thought it, this is more like a 70 mile an hour accident. Anyway, then very rapidly I could see in the next second why it was all still and quiet. 
and that's as the smoke and dust cleared. Um, far from being stationary, looking at a bit of our armco, I was in the air, about about ten feet up in the air, <laughs> look, looking at the track disappearing from me at about 120 miles an hour, and the, the car feeling a very bad glider, and it had been just being thrown up in the air, and I was going backwards in the air. So at that point, I thought, well, this is the Steve McQueen, Lamar film, sort of yeah. in the trees, good yeah. night, and yeah. rather pathetically, I didn't even think of very much, just froze. Um, anyway, after what's an interminable amount of time flying like a very bad glider, it crashed down, thank God, on the track. Yeah. And, um, and it beat itself to death a bit more on the side of the barrier until, until 400 yards after it all started, it finally oh, came okay. to a halt. Um, and I was, there wasn't a wheel on the car really, it was you know, just this smoking, hulking sort of chassis. And inevitably at that time your body, your mind says get out of the car before it catches fire. Yeah. You never know quite if the limbs are going to be in a method to do it. And yeah. later on, I did manage, I got out. And, um, and I was sort of looking back, and it was all very quick, and then splinters in, sort of jumped out. And I was looking back at this smoking wreck and um, just thinking how lucky I was. When, when suddenly I, I got a glancing blow on the head and a bouncing wheel and tyre from my own accident no. caught me up and knocked me flat. <laughs> really? I staggered, yeah, I staggered to the side of the road. I mean, shot, it was... God, that could have killed you, couldn't it? I know. Um, I, it lost most of its energy, but it's still getting boing, boing, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, I staggered to the side of the track in disbelief at everything. Um, within, within half an hour, within no, more than 10, 15 minutes, my feet were just throbbing and uh, uh, just a shit I've broken my legs I must have done so back in the paddock I got Nick Mason organised his plane to fly me back to that night to the UK I didn't fancy a night in a French hospital trying to trying to explain what was going on and, yeah. um, so I arrived at the hospital at Cookfield I got my ah. Jill my former wife to pick me up and drove me to Cookfield and at midnight I'd organised the, uh, radiolo- the uh, radiologist to have a look at it and yeah. uh, um, anyway, it turned out I hadn't broken legs, but um, just badly sprained. But anyway, Blimey. broken a thumb, that's all I did in the end. But it was, you know, I thought that was going to be the big, the big one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.